Welcome to Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle, a branded podcast from Worthy. I'm Jennifer Butler, and I'm your host. Did you know that December through February is peak dating season? And there's a 43 to 50% spike in online dating during those months. I had no idea, but was fascinated when our guest today, Bella Gandhi, told me. My brain went into overdrive with so many questions, and I'm excited to have Bella here with me today to ask her all about it. If you are out there dating or thinking about starting to date these next few months, just might be the perfect time for you to go out and have some fun with it. Bella Gandhi is a dating relationship expert and weekly media correspondent who founded Smart Dating Academy in 2009. She is a dating expert on The Steve Harvey Show, Relationship Insider from Match.com, a regular contributor to The Today Show and Good Morning America, and appears frequently on ABC, NBC, Fox, CNN, and more. Smart Dating Academy has quickly become one of the nation's top date coaching firms and teaches busy, successful professionals to jumpstart their dating lives successfully. It's like going to Harvard Business School, but for dating and relationships, and they've helped hundreds of thousands of people find love. And I can't wait for Bella to tell us more about it. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast to speak with me today, Bella. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about what we're talking about today, and I know our audience is too. So, um, but before we jump into dating and dating season, I would love if you would tell us a little bit about who you are, your journey, and founding Smart Dating Academy. So I started my company 10 years ago, but I started matchmaking more like 25 years ago, and I did it on gut for some friends. And then I also realized that there was a little bit more to matchmaking than met the eye. I had terrible dating patterns, like so many people that I now work with, you know, any bad boy in, you know, a five mile vicinity, I was a magnet towards them and I loved them. And after getting my heart broken for the two millionth time, I really sat down and said, gosh, What's the common denominator in all of this? Um, Hi, it's me. Mm. I did an analysis of what was going on with me. Why was I attracting and attracted to these kinds of people? What worked? What didn't work? What was my responsibility and what was his? Which led me to my amazing husband. And now we've been married for 22 years. We have two kids. And so in addition to matchmaking, I started to put all of my friends through this cute little model that I had come up with. And after I had a career in finance and m and because I went to business school and then was a partner in a family business that we sold, it gave me the clearance to finally do what my heart was leading me towards doing, which is helping people define love and putting this process out there for all to learn. Oh, I love it. Congratulations on 22 years. That's amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. And I love what you're doing because you're not typical matchmaking. I mean, you're doing so much more and you're really helping people to access really the best part of themselves so they can call in the best relationship. That's right. You have to be in touch with yourself and 
what makes you happy, what you're prone to. You really have to, you have to be with yourself for a while and do that work, which is what we really help people to do. We don't just launch people out there doing the same stuff over and over again. You know, it's like a lot of, a lot of things that are out there, including dating apps without intervention, kind of enable the, you know, getting on the treadmill over and over, you know, you're like running to stand still. So it's, it's kind of what we're trying to do is teach people to fish instead of giving people the fish so that you've got the skills for a lifetime and you're starting to get good fish instead of the rotten fish that are coming on your line. I like that analogy. You know, dating in and of itself, it is challenging and it's confusing. And there's a lot of like rules and do's and don'ts and so much information. And then at the end of the day, you're kind of left like, I don't know. I don't even know what I feel. I don't know what I think. So I am really happy to have you on and like just have you share all of your wisdom with everybody who's listening. Yay, my favorite subject. Yeah. Okay, so it's dating season, peak dating season. So I didn't know about this until you told me, and I thought this was the coolest thing ever. So just share it with our audience. What is peak dating season? Why does it happen? It's so interesting. You know, I've been doing this now for 10 years and I've consulted with lots of, you know, big dating companies. So I know the gizzards of a lot of dating app sites and the way memberships work. So a little known fact is that starting December, online dating numbers really start to pick up again, such that peak dating season, meaning the highest levels of dating online, like app memberships, happen between December 15th and February 15th, which is so counterintuitive to most people that I work with. They're like, oh my gosh, I would have thought people would have taken themselves offline because it's the holidays and they're super busy. It's actually the opposite. What ends up happening, there's two key things. Number one, the holidays, right? Cuffing season. It puts us into the mindset of wanting to have a partner, getting ourselves out there. But the second and probably more powerful driver is the fact that 45% of adults in this country are single, and that's per the census. So almost half of people over the age of 18 are looking to find love. And what do we do January 1st? We make New Year's resolutions. Mm. This is my year to get back out there. This is my year to get married. This is my year to find love, whatever that is. So there's this massive influx of people that get online such that the, the Sunday after New Year's Day historically has been the busiest online dating day of the year. So the fact that you guys are listening to this podcast, you're going to know it's peak dating season. You're going to get your stuff ready. You're going to dip your toe out there and you're going to see this amazing crest of people. It's like when the good fish are coming to see you guys. So get excited. Get excited and get ready. Yes. Yay. How do they get ready? (laughs) Gosh, there's so many ways to get ready. Number one, do your work, right? And know that you're ready to actually do this. Does the thought of dating actually kind of make you excited in your stomach versus giving you dread? You know, that's really the first thing to think about in this. And then you've got to get your profile in good shape. You've got to have good pictures. You've got to have good text. You've got to know how many sites or apps to be on. So there's so many things 
to think about. And what I would tell you is if the thought of this starts to sound overwhelming, build a village around yourself, right? Of supportive friends that are doing this, or you know what, like you do in any other aspect of your life, which astounds me in the dating world, right? We hire business coaches, we hire life coaches, we hire sports coaches for ourselves and for our kids. But for dating, sometimes we erroneously think this should just be something that falls into our lap that we don't need help with. And that if we need help, there's something wrong with us. Take control of your life, ladies and gentlemen that are listening to this. Take control of that steering wheel and get the help that you need. Build your group, hire someone, but really get yourself into a good place for peak dating season. You know what I love about that? Because when you're on a date and if you're feeling that dread, the other person feels it, you know, and they might not interpret the dread as like, okay, this is just dread about, you know, am I doing this right? Or this is a little overwhelming. It might feel like dread that you're on that date. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And if you're feeling that dread on the inside, believe me, it's going to transmit to the outside. That person that you're with is going to feel that dread palpably. Even though you think you've got a good poker face, believe me, I've worked with thousands of people over the last decade. We do body language analysis. We do 360 feedbacks to really see why our clients are single. We don't have good poker faces. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. And I am a proponent too. like, get a coach, whoever you need to, whenever you're trying to up level or do something better or new, you know, find someone who knows what you don't know, right? But I know that not everybody can access that. So do you have like some tips for how they can just start easing that dread down and calming themselves on their own? Yeah, you have to change your mindset, right? If you're feeling that dread, And you've got to really dig deep and say, okay, what is it that's scaring me? And usually it comes down to the negative voices in our own heads, right? Like there are no good men left out there. Everybody out there is damaged or a degenerate, or maybe it's I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too damaged. Whatever those bad tapes are, thoughts lead to feelings, right? So feelings don't just come up organically. They come because you're thinking about something in a specific way and in a negative way. So what I want you to do, number one, is if you have that dread, really look inside and say, what's making me, what's the thought that's leading to that feeling? And then reseeding that thought, like reseeding, like planting a new seed instead and having a counter thought to that. And what I work with my clients on is an attitude of what we've called in trademark psychotic optimism, right? It is taking all that old junk, that monkey chatter that's in your brain and just saying, love will come to me. It's a when, it's not an if. Mm-hmm. And being psychotically optimistic through the highs, through the lows, through the good dates, through the bad dates, through this journey, knowing all I have to do is date like hell to find this person, but I know he or she is out there for me. I love that psychotic optimism. That is awesome. I love that term. <laughs> I'm the chief psychotic optimist. I'm the CPO of smart dating. Again. That is awesome. I love it. So a big portion, probably the majority of people listening to us today are post-divorce. And Worthy actually conducted a study and a panel, a dating panel recently, and they found that 78% of women are already thinking about dating before the divorce papers are even signed. And then 65% are dating within the first year of separation and divorce. So, you know, it's already on people's minds. And then the question really, though, becomes, how do you know if you're ready 
to get out there and start dating, you know, after divorce, I guess anyway, right? Even if you're single or divorced, right? Totally, totally. I love this data so much. And it says 78% of women are already thinking about dating. What about the other 22% of y'all? What are you thinking about at this point? I would say that so many people are thinking about dating. I work with divorce attorneys, divorce consultants, lots of people. And most people that are going through this incredibly traumatic, painful split, they do think about like, what's next for me? So yeah, I think that I, you know, thinking about dating is a very natural thing, even as you're going through divorce, as you're exiting divorce, because human beings ultimately love is what keeps us going. Our relationships are what keep us going. And and it's great that even if you don't have a romantic relationship yet, and I say, yeah, because I am your psychotic optimist, we have (laughs) friends, we have family, we have neighbors, we have that village of relationships that really defines us and romantic love will absolutely come to you. So how do you know if you're ready to date after divorce? Number one, have you done the work? Have you found as much closure as you can with your ex? Have you, is the anger dissipated, right? Do you feel like you're you're at a good place? You've learned from what happened. You've learned what you want again. And maybe more importantly, you've learned what you don't want again. And the Mm. thought of being on a date excites you. Then I think you're on the road to being ready. Yeah, I love that. And I think that the simplest piece, which is this exciting, I think is probably the most powerful because I think sometimes we forget to really tune in. Does it feel good? Yes. And it's like such a huge indicator. (laughs) Oh, totally. Like some people just want to revenge date. Yeah. Their ex has cheated on them or their ex is out there dating. And even though the thought of dating makes them vomit a little bit in their mouth, they're like, well, if he's doing it, then I'm going to do it too. And how do you think you're going to, how do you think you're going to come across when you're feeling that way? Like it's going to be game over, date over before the date even really gets started. Yeah, that's so true. Or dating because you think you should. People tell you, why aren't you out there? You should be out there. And if you're not ready, you're just not ready. Well, and that brings me to, you know, another point is when you're out there, Jen, and you're not ready to do this again, and you haven't done that work. Do you know what happens? You're probably going to end up dating somebody that feels comfortable to you, which is ironically, probably someone who was like your ex or some amalgamation of your previous exes because they feel comfortable for you, right? Mm -hmm. We want that old pair of sweatpants and maybe those sweatpants make us look terrible and they've got holes in them and we should have donated them to Goodwill long ago, we want to put those sweatpants on again. And that's what, that's my metaphor for the person that's comfortable to us, but wrong. It doesn't do anything good for us. When I decided to sell my jewelry after my divorce, the most important thing to me was finding a company that I could trust and one that would also advocate for me. I found this and so much more at Worthy. Their expert staff immediately put me at ease and helped me to get the best price possible for my jewelry. Your engagement ring can be a symbol of your freedom, your journey, and the choices you have made to live your life on your terms and create the future you desire. Let us help you get the best deal possible for the jewelry you've outgrown. Go to worthy.com forward slash podcast to learn more. So that's interesting because the next thing I was going to ask you, because divorce rates actually get higher for second and third marriages, 
And I was going to ask you why you think that is. And I have a kind of curiosity that I think it has something to do with what you just said. Yeah, no, you're, you're very insightful and exactly right. It's we tend to, human beings tend to do what's comfortable versus what's right. And this is why the divorce rate continues to get higher because instead of looking inward, we keep looking outward, right? It comes mm -hmm. back to what did I say in the beginning? Why did I put my own analysis together? I'm like, God, the common denominator of all of this disaster is me. Right. And so yeah. often we don't want to sit still and look at that. And we want to look outwards and say, you know, I keep attracting all these jerks. It's like, no, you're accepting the jerks. Mm. Yeah. You're choosing them. You're choosing them. You're allowing them in. And we teach people really critically through this process, you know, who they're what we call, we've trademarked the word high GHQ, high and good husband qualities. Right. Yeah. And you know, whether you're a woman looking for a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. But I use the word husband interchangeably for partner, right? High GHQ. And what are the qualities that actually make you happy versus thinking about what you want? Again, is he tall? Is he funny? Does he make more money than me? We get stuck on this wagon wheel, right? Mm -hmm. And we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And nothing changes except we get older and we get more jaded. It's time to change things up if this sounds like you. Yeah. You know, it'd be so interesting and I don't even know how you could do it, but to do a study on those second marriages or second and third for people who have done this work, who have gone through a system like yours and then remarried and just see the difference. Cause I imagine it's a huge difference. I'll tell you what we've been in business as of this weekend, we are celebrating our 10 year anniversary for smart dating Academy. Congrats. And we've had zero divorces of our clients. Wow. That's amazing. Zero. And I've had people Jen come in that have been married four times. Wow. And some of these stories on our website on Smart Dating Academy, you can check them out. It's truly remarkable. And a lot of this can stem from childhood stuff, right? The way we watched our parents relate to each other. Were we, you know, children of a traumatic divorce or, you know, a single parent or parents that weren't good to us? And a lot of these things can have a profound impact on how we choose partners as adults. Mm -hmm. And this is the stuff that we really help people to work through. And this stuff is not easy, guys, to do on your own. Some people do it, um, but a lot of people, you know, having that kind of knowledge around you and knowing what landmines you're potentially stepping on over and over again is a really useful thing to have. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. So what about soulmates? Because I think people get stuck here quite often on, you know, is this my soulmate? Is there the one, you know, you sit, you have coffee and you're like, well, he's not the one I'm, I'm not going to go back out with him. What is your kind of thought on that? You know, I think soulmates, it, you know, has been sold to us through Hollywood, through Bollywood, through Harlequin novels. I think, you know, as part of psychotic optimism, I tell my clients there are many, many lids to your pot, right? If, if I'm a certain pot shaped in this way, I could have a glass lid. I could have a cast iron lid. I could have a red lid. I could have a green dented lid. But all of these lids ultimately do the job on my pot. So I think that there are many different people out there for you. And one once you start to believe it, you'll start to see, and I can tell you one common theme through 
everybody through our practice that has found love is I tell them it's exciting because when you buy into this, that there are many different lids to your pot, guess what? Love will come to you in an unexpected package. And you know what? That makes dating a hell of a lot more fun than it is today because suddenly you start to look at people that you might not have given your attention to even two days ago because you're like, wow, you know, Bella says love's going to come to me in an unexpected package. And that's not someone I might normally date, but maybe he could be. Yeah, I love that. I love the lid analogy with the pot and lid analogy. That's awesome. Because that's yeah. so true. I can even share, you know, personally, because I'm single and dating. And when I started to adopt that theory and started just, you know, dating from that that place that you're talking about, what I started to notice was that even if I didn't end up dating somebody, I would walk away from whether it was a few dates or one date, either with a friendship or with having had such a beautiful experience that added to me as a human being. And I'd like to think added to that person as a human being. And that just makes it fun. It makes it so fun. And that's so awesome that you said that. I love that. And one thing that I tell our clients all the time is walk into the state, not going, oh my God, you might be my husband. Just say, you know what? I want to be socially generous and I want to make this person feel really good about themselves. And when you come in with that mindset for being socially generous, which is just kind of a fancy way of being nice, you bring more love into the world. Whether it's a love connection or not, you're going to make that person go, gosh, there are good people in the world. That was a fun date. Yes, I love that. So what then are the biggest mistakes that people are making when they're dating? I think to all of what we're talking about, Jen, people expect this instantaneous chemistry when they're dating, right? Again, this is the Hollywood fallacy. I want to look across the room or I want to look, I want to be at Whole Foods and look across like the aisle and, you know, meet eyes over avocados. And suddenly you hear the angels start to start and go, <laughs> and, and that's not the way it happens. And we expect those fireworks and those butterflies and all of those feelings, right? All the feels to happen during date one, but that's not how good, strong love often develops. It might, but be open to someone where you're not feeling physical chemistry with, especially for women, that physical chemistry can grow. So for our daters, we say, if he meets your high GHQ characteristics, then I'm going to want you to go on a second, third, fourth, fifth date with him because it's a different mindset. You're actually trying to screen people in versus screening them out so quickly. Obviously, if they have red flags or they're creepy, screen them out even before you get out on a date with them. But once you're on a date, if you're if they're a good person and you're having fun, but you're not feeling that zhuzh, that instant, it's okay. Good love can often have a slow start. Absolutely. And you know, but what I do hear from a lot of people, and I'm going to ask you too, at what point if you don't feel that chemistry eventually developing, or if you just don't feel that thing that you need to feel or you want to feel, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you've just not given it enough time or if it's just not going to happen? You know, it's a great question, Jen. I've had clients, you know, start to develop chemistry after the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth date. And I can tell you a quick personal story. I was very good 
like platonic friends with my husband for years before I did my own analysis and suddenly realized, oh my God, I've got a pot of gold sitting in front of me. And Mm. then the chemistry develops. So with women, especially it can be emotional, spiritual, intellectual chemistry suddenly, or just more awareness of what you're looking for that can lead to that chemistry. So don't be too quick to throw someone back if they've got potential. Mm, That's such a great answer. So you've gone through so many of these, but just to kind of list them off for our audience, can you run down your top uh, tips for successful dating? Yeah, I think be open to people, like I said, that come in different packages. If somebody has red flags, I don't care how hot they are, how rich they are, get rid of them. If they're critical of you right away, like, oh, hey, Jen, I really like that photo of you in the red dress. You know, I'm not so fond of the green one. Game over. Nobody should be criticizing you or telling you what to do right online. I see this stuff happen all the time on dating apps. It astounds me. So anybody that sounds critical, they're mean to others, but nice to you. Don't ignore red flags in dating. Mm-hmm. Every single person that I've worked with that when we take a good, long, deep look back at prior relationships, if I ask them, when did you see the red flags in this? Nobody says to me, oh my God, I was blindsided. You know, it was 10 years in. They're all like, well, I saw it in the beginning. Yeah. I just ignored it. Don't ignore that stuff. Right. And another tip, you know, is get your photos in shape for online dating. Get a really good photographer. Don't Photoshop. Don't filter your photos. But you've got to have photos that really look like the best version of you out there. Because if you've got five minutes in real life to make a good first impression, you have like five milliseconds online on a dating app or a date. And you guys all know, most of you have probably tried online dating. Your opening headshot is critical. And it shouldn't have another person in it. It should be high resolution, really pretty. And don't Photoshop. It. That's date over, right? It's the first act of self-sabotage. People want to date the person in the picture. So make sure it's a great photo of you, but make sure that is the person that shows up to the date. I love how you call that photoshopping self-sabotage. That's, I mean, that's awesome. And we do photography as part of our concierge service with dating. And I'll tell you, good photography is part art and part science. It has nothing to do with filters and Photoshop. We have a zero Photoshop policy. And you can go to our website, smartdatingacademy.com, and look at the before and after photos. None of those are Photoshop. With the right lighting, a little bit of makeup, the right clothing, you too can look as spectacular as those differentials. We just... We have these weird mind monkeys. We think if we try to have photos taken, it means we're trying too hard and we're going to be selected against. Guys, people are visual, right? You're going to look like you respect yourself and you're investing in yourself and you care. So it's so interesting because I feel like women are more apt to do this. And then when you look at men's profiles on their dating sites, it seems like there's less, they pay less attention to their own pictures, right? Like you see a lot of selfies and bathroom photos and things like that. Yeah. It's a nightmare, you know, and I see it. I see, you know, women that have bad photographs. Also, I see men and it's like, 
are you people not listening to the hundred thousand, you know, people out there telling you not to do this, but you know what, maybe it's attracting the kind of person that they want. I don't know, but yeah, I have to hold my fingers back sometimes to say, oh my gosh, please change up the photo that you've got here in the bathroom selfie. Selfies are out. No one wants to look at selfies anymore. Have someone take a photo of you in today's day and age. How hard is that? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's not hard. That's great. Yeah, because, and I also, you know, then here's my next question. Should women, as I fear they do, try to kind of look past the pictures because that's sort of a, I don't want to say stereotype, but a a conception of how, well, they don't really put a lot of effort into pictures or should they hold that as a standard and look for someone who puts some effort into their photos? You know, look for someone who puts some effort into something, right? Even if he's got super hot photos, but he hasn't written anything about himself. Okay. What does that tell you about this person, right? They're going, maybe they're a person that relies on their looks, right? And they feel like they don't have to work that hard. Like you can tell a lot about someone, put some effort into this, right? Don't just take your old jankiest photos, you know, when scratching people out and just throwing up a five minute profile, it's really obvious who's put some effort in and who hasn't. If somebody hasn't taken the time to write anything about themselves or even write you a message that makes any sense, you have to question, like, is this person really committed to this process? Committed and able to put in effort, right? You want someone who's going to put in effort in the relationship if it works out. (laughs) Absolutely. And someone that can write a straight sentence. Yeah. Again, I'm not saying be an elitist or a grammar snob, right? And, you know, it's like forgive people for your versus your, right? Because sometimes it's hard and we go fast and autocorrect doesn't pick things up. But really, yeah, look for someone who does what he says he's going to do. Guys, I, I tell my clients all the time, people show us who they are. It's up to us to believe them. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. So is there anything else we missed or any words of wisdom that you want to share as we kind of close out here? Yeah, I want you guys, every single one of you to know that for listening to this podcast, you are on your first step to being inducted into the club of psychotic optimism, right? I want you to leave this really energized and knowing I have seen love happen to people of all ages, all sizes, all stories, post hideously traumatic divorces, and they come out the other side. I want you to take this inspiration with you through this day. I want you to listen to this and I want you to know that your fairy godmother says love will come to you. It's a when, it's not an if. And I want you to ask yourself, are you ready for it? And what are you going to do to change something today. Mm, yes, I love that. That is awesome. I am happy to be in this psychotic optimism, this club, this amazing. <laughs> You're a psychotic optimist now. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. How can our listeners follow up with you after today? Go to our website, smartdatingacademy.com. Follow us on Instagram at smartdatingacademy. I would love that. Tell me that you came from the Worthy Podcast, and I'll give you a specific shout-out in your DM. So um, we've got a great infographic right now that we just put together on our website called The Seven Clues That You're Dating a Narcissist. One of the most common things that we see with women that have come out of divorces are women that were married to, maybe they weren't clinically diagnosed, but they certainly act and present as narcissists. If that's you, go to our website, download this PDF. It's amazing, and it will really give you a good helping hand. 
hand at looking at the clues that you're not going to be in that next statistic of 67% divorces. And send me an email through the site if you'd like to do a consultation. I do 15 minute complimentary consultations. I am happy to give you a dose of psychotic optimism and get you on your way. Thank you so much for that. That is awesome. And I that infographic is going to be gold for, I think, a lot of women. Awesome. Well, this was so fun. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And thank you, Worthy Community. We'll see you next week. Make sure you subscribe so you can catch every new episode of Divorce and Other Things You Can Handle in your weekly feed. If you like what you hear, rate and review us to help other women like you find us. This podcast is for you, so email us at podcastworthy.com with any questions or ideas that you may have. We look forward to hearing from you.